0: I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve Sinclair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join me as I learn from others who are shaking things up. Here's trouble. Karma Tenzing. Like many young adults living in Nepal, karma dreamed of escaping to America. He made it. He had a great job in foreign exchange in New York City. He was in the U.S. for about 18 years when a horrific earthquake hit Kathmandu, and he knew it was time to go back. When he did, he ran headlong into all sorts of issues. For instance, the people's crippling apathy, based on their spiritual belief that bad karma is to blame for their predicament. Imagine trying to overcome that one. On May 15, 2019... Karma Summit at Everest, one of many mountains he's climbed. Welcome, Karma. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure. So let's start with the Nepal that you left. Sure. What was happening to the people of your country?
1: Yeah, so um, so in April 25th, 2015, we had a devastating earthquake in Nepal. Uh, you know, um, And I was in New York then and you know like uh, my family were all back in Nepal and every time i spoke to them you know it was it was kind of hard because you know the there, there was issues all the time like no electricity no water food was scarce you know and they, they they couldn't live inside the house so there was a lot of problems that they were facing and um so i went i came back uh into uh, 2015 around december was when i came back to Nepal and i just uh, before that i just read this book uh a Nepali writer called Dorbhadar Bista. He had written a, a great book in 1991 called Fatalism and Development. And when I came back to Nepal, you know that that book made so much sense to me because that book talks about the concept of fatalism, where one blames their own karma for you know everything that's wrong. There, so there's no accountability. There's no um, you know you're, you're not blaming the you're not keeping the government accountable or anyone else accountable for anything that goes wrong in their life. You're blaming yourself. So he talks about this in detail in his book. And when I came to Nepal, I saw that happening, you know, in front of my eyes because there was a blockade by India uh, where India had shut the border uh, to Nepal. And we Nepal had like uh, there was a crisis in terms of uh, getting, um, you know, petroleum and all these oil products. So so there was huge lines on the, uh, you know, on the petrol pumps. People were paying close to about, uh, you know, 900 rupees per liter on the black market. So that means, that means it's about mm. $24 for a gallon. Uh, they were paying on that much. Wow. And it, it just didn't make sense to me. And there was no revolution. No people, not on the streets, you know, crying about it. it people just took it, you know, and that, that to me felt like there's no accountability and no one is holding anyone you know, responsible for all these problems. So that was the Nepal. But
0: also, the relief, the relief funds for the earthquake yes. did not get properly distributed, right?
1: So, yeah. So, what happened was that, um, you know, uh, we were the governor of Nepal, uh, you know, they were pledged about $5 billion. And, um, you know, as in most developing countries, uh, these funds were not allocated properly. And I think we still, we're still waiting for most of these funds to be, you know, allocated to the right sectors. And it's been about five years since the earthquake happened.
0: So that's what that's what you walked into. Yes. Your reaction when you got on the ground uh, and you looked around. What did that feel like? I mean, you had come there to help the people, but it sounds like the people didn't want to help themselves. Yeah.
1: So uh, r- rather than helping, I was actually helping from New York first. We had we were sending in a lot of food supplies, medical equipment. We're sending we're sending it back to Nepal from New York. So I was doing all these events, uh, you know, uh, I even had one for my work company where we had, you know, Ryan Sarant and all those, uh, you know, uh, uh, know, we had had celebrities come to our events and we were doing all these, you know, charitable fundraisers and sending all the money back to Nepal. Uh, That that was originally what I did. I did that for a few months. And then I realized that, you know, uh, maybe this is not the right way that I need to be on the ground myself. And in December of 2015, that's when I came back to Nepal to see the reality, to see what's going on in Nepal. And when I came here, I saw uh, the the concept of karma, the fatalism concept, uh, being applied, you know, by people in daily lives. No one is blaming anyone else for their misery. They're all blaming themselves, and you know, it's like their karma. It's what they deserve. Uh, so I felt like I have to come. I had to come back and do something. And that's when my journey back to Nepal started. So after 18 years, I moved back to Nepal. Uh, you know, um, and I thought, you know, maybe I could do something to change, uh, you know, this concept and also do a lot of my social entrepreneurship endeavors here.
0: And how did, I mean, it must have felt, you must have had moments where it felt impossible.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, there's, uh, you know, over here, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy over here. Uh, it's not easy to get work done. Uh, you know, Nepal is very it's 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 a, it's a developing country, you know, and like any other developing country, I feel like it has its own flaws and problems. So coming from a system like America where, you know, everything is done via paper, over here, it, it wasn't such that over here, you know, you need to be there yourself for any small issue. And then uh, it's, a lo- it's a lot of, I'd say, a lot of, you know, being physical present than paper pushing.
0: And I, I just want to put this into context for the listeners, too, because this is a uh podcast really about business troublemakers and you're in the business of helping an entire country yes against tremendous odds that's right yes how did you keep your focus i mean did you sit down and make a business plan did you just surround yourself with the right people what
1: what was your turning point in other words so, for me, mainly, it's everything I do it on my own, uh, so I'm a social entrepreneur. so when I first got back, the first thing that i wanted to, wanted to do was uh my field of expertise uh something of in terms of education because I was a professor in New York, I taught economics for four years uh, in Manhattan before I came back to nepal and and my family they owned a school here in Nepal, which wasn't doing too well so when I came back in 2015, one of the first things I saw was that the school wasn't doing too well, and maybe I needed to step step up to the plate and take over the school one day, and you know uh, start my you know social entrepreneurship venture from there. So that's in 2016, I bought back the school. Uh, we had rented it to other people, and they were running the school, so I had to buy it back from them. And you know, uh, and then I started my mission of you know uh, doing scholarships, giving out more aid uh, to, you know, to, to orphans and, uh, to working with street children and doing my whole venture from the, it started right from there. So I had a base as my school. And from there, from the school, we did good work through the school and the school's name is Kathmandu Valley School. Uh, it's, it's right, it's right, right close to, it's right by the US Peace Corps building, uh, in Kathmandu. How,
0: how does it work? How, how do you, what, what are your days like? How do you raise money? And how did you how did you turn it around?
1: So 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 for me, uh, I'm I'm a social entrepreneur, so I don't take donations or aid. So what we do is we use our business to fund our projects. So in my school is actually uh, you know the uh, it's 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 a middle class to upper middle class kids, they attend the school. So they they uh, most of them they pay the full price uh, of, for for their education, and they and and uh, whatever they pay subsidizes the other kids education so basically the orphans are the kids who 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 who, who need help like you know there there a lot of uh, financial based scholarships as well as their like academic scholarships so the ones who are on need based scholarship the ones who need aid uh, the ones who pay for it subsidizes for them and that's that's the model that I've been I've been using here so every year we've been giving close to about a hundred fifty thousand dollars in scholarships and uh, also doing about more than hundred and fifty thousand dollars Meals for free to uh, from the school to the, to the students as well as to the orphanages as well as to old age homes. So every, this is annually we've been doing this.
0: And you you've also decided that the stray dog problem is a big issue there, correct?
1: Yes. There's, so there's a lot of stray dogs, and um, so uh, there, and there are people that like, who look after stray dogs here. So what I do is, you know, I, through my projects and through, through, the, through my profits, of my, I, I have a restaurant as well, and I also have an expedition company where we take people climbing up mountains in the Himalayas. Um, so, you know, I, I, I take people, f- uh, so, so the money that I make from there and I generate from there also via uh, KTM Entertainment, where we take Nepali artists to America to perform, you know, in New York and all these other cities. So the profits from these ventures, uh, you know, give it to causes such as uh, street dogs, and street children. And by the way, I, I too have a street dog that I rescued, that I uh, you know I'm keeping for myself at home, and she's beautiful. That's great. You've got your hands full, Karma. <laughs> that's a,
0: yes. <laughs> I think I count five things that you're
1: up to right now. That's that's what America taught me, you know, uh, because when I when I went to because over here, I everyone like you said, it's the same thing. That people just think that okay, now you need to be focused in one one area, and that's it. But in America, the whole thing mantra was diversify, diversify. And I, I took at that when I, when I first started working in finance, I thought diversify on your stock investments or whatever it was. And later I found out that it's noise. You've got to diversify in different fields in life as well. You can't just stick to one because tomorrow, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. With the new normal in 2008, you know, the, the, the one job policy, uh, it, it doesn't work anymore because people are, people are getting fired back then and they just couldn't find work in the sector anymore. So I think you know you need to have a lot, whole lot, whole whole host of different interests that you can master in.
0: Yeah, you and I have a mutual friend who's still out there uh, looking, in, and I know several people from the world you were a part of in New York who are still looking after 2008. Yes, and <laughs> I've noticed the same thing with myself in marketing. I have to keep pivoting exactly, and I have to keep inventing because boy, we're learning it right now in the middle of COVID nineteen, right?
1: Exactly. Yes. And this is, I think this is the new normal. So we have to keep, um, you know, uh, bettering ourselves and innovating ourselves. And how do so you, you mentioned
0: this one book you read, how else do you inform yourself from Nepal? Uh, from Nepal? Do you still keep, you, you keep a close eye on yes. uh, things in New York
1: and uh, other parts of the world, I'm sure. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so yeah, be, uh, basically because I, you know, I have a host of businesses here and I have to follow, um, you know uh, international business policies as well because I want to figure out what what's going on with the interest rates in the U.S. and because you know the U.S. needs the rest of the world gets gets a cold. Uh, that's that's uh, that's a, that's the jargon we use in the financial markets all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you know it's uh, so being in Nepal working in you know uh, the business sector, I, I need to know exactly what the U.S. is doing and what other countries are doing. And that's and that's a lot of reading via you know the, the Economist or. Online online journals and a lot, I'm on, on Twitter very often these days as well. So I get I get updated on a lot of news there as well.
0: Yeah, people definitely need to follow you there, and and I regularly check out your Instagram postings, which are great. Thank you. <laughs> In fact, that that points out another thing that really was the turning point where I decided I've got to get you on the podcast because. Some news articles had come out, I think, last climbing season on Everest in the spring. Yes. About a gigantic log jam of people, and they painted it as though that's often the case. Yes. And I noticed your response to that, and y- you're there, you know. That's right. Can you yeah. talk about that for a second?
1: Sure. Um, yeah. Like uh, people, I think they need to understand that um, Everest is not jammed like 365 days a year. Uh, in the climbing season in spring, uh, last year we only had a few days where you could summit, like four or five days where you could, you know, summit to the top, uh, like good weather windows we call it. And uh, the first weather window was on the fifteenth, 15th, 15th, and sixteenth of May. So, so I submitted on the fifteenth of May. Uh, it was pretty much empty when we went. I spent an hour on the summit. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't as crazy. But also, what we climbers know is that, you know the people who go in the beginning it's a little harder for them because the trails have not been deeply made so it's you know uh, people have climbed before you but not many people so it's you know there's no steps made for you and you, you in some some areas you are breaking the trail yourselves so you know when you go in the beginning that's something that's it's a little harder so most of these climbers who have come there in appliance for them you know they have taken vacations they've taken a whole you know like you know they've taken they've spent so much money to be there so they want to wait it out and go in the next weather window, where, where it'll be a little easier because now there's more trails, more steps made for them. So there's all these businesses, what they do is that they wait for the clients to go for the second window. And lastly, that's what exactly what happened. On the 22nd, when the second window happened, everyone just rushed to the summit because very few people went in the first window. So everyone tried to go in the second window. And that particular day, 22nd, ended up being a huge sham. But for me, I think this is something that happens in every every year because everyone's everyone's going on that one day, and it's for climbers. It isn't something new, so you're prepared for it. You go with two oxygen cylinders to the summit because you know that there could potentially be a jam there, and which is something that's happening every year. So it wasn't something new. So that was my narrative saying that you know it's not a big deal. It's something that's happening every year, but you know, uh, and that's not that's not that's not what's killing people because people are dying because. Rather than jam, they're not being cautious because they haven't taken two oxygen cylinders. So we tell our clients to take two oxygen cylinders that can last you 20 hours. So if you're only taking one, because you know most climbers, they because they they are already so tired by then, they're so weak by then, they only want to take one cylinder and risk it. Right. So you know if, if that's if that's what you do, then you're risking yourself and the Sherpa's life. And I think uh, you know um, I see I've seen a few climbers do that in the past, but that's but I wouldn't recommend that. At all to any of our clients,
0: and I—I I got the sense that you being there on the ground and knowing these Sherpas, you understand deeply the economic impact and the epi- rather the economic advantage. Yes, and and it's a business. Climbing Everest is a business. It is. It's a huge business, and that's an important, a huge
1: source of income for the people of that area. Right. That's that's right. Yes, and uh, but right now, most of the, the majority of the of the big climbing companies are all Western companies, mm-hmm. so you know uh, I think that that will change in time because now so the Sherpas are the ones who are climbing. They're taking the clients along with them. They're cooking for the clients, so they they know exactly what this business entails. So as they're getting educated, as the world is becoming more smaller, you know, I feel like the, uh, the Sherpas too are realizing that you know they too can start you know these this, these type of businesses on their own. So I think in the future. Um, you know, rather than only having big Western operators, we slowly will start seeing more of the big Sherpa op- operators. Uh, they already has Seven Summits uh, Trex, which who is one of the biggest, and owned by Sherpas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's tough. And then our company is a small one into the Himalaya. Uh, it's owned by Jangu Sherpa and me. So uh, I think, you know, it's it's going to be more local going forward in, in the future, in a few years' time.
0: Well, I imagine you're going to help drive that.
1: Yes, so we are we are helping that as well because you know um, we're being active on social media, being active on the front itself, also uh, you know being active on you know uh, the various uh, organizations that they have here, so um, and also in the media as well, trying to trying to post our information about what we see on the wrist, what's the ground reality, rather than just have journalists write about it without even stepping ground over there, you know they're getting news from someone else and just writing so you know i think it's good for nepali people to climb and we can give our own perspective about the ground reality
0: I, I noticed i think on your instagram account that you're planning a trip to the us not too long from now to climb in north america
1: somewhere correct yes so so june 3rd we have we, you know we did all we did all our, we did all our uh, permits and everything to climb denali which is the highest mountain in north america uh it was on june 3rd but but now uh you know the the, uh, the Government just sent a message saying that uh, all climbs of the entire year have been cancelled. so we have to postpone for next year now. And I was supposed to climb with an American team of, uh, and climb against cancer. Uh, it was, uh, Mark Perella we, we've climbed together we've climbed on Everest together and we submitted uh, a day apart. He submitted on a, he submitted on uh, May 16th, 2019. So I had submitted a day before him. So him, me, and a few friends, we were supposed to climb Denali in June 3rd of this year. But now it's been postponed. Mm.
0: I, I have to tell you, your great uncle, Tenzing Norgay, um, I, I was probably, I guess, seven or eight years old, and I found this old issue of uh, National Geographic, which featured the climb with uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. And it fired my yes. imagination, and it does to this day. So I love hearing these uh, stories and following you. I'm never going to climb Everest. Exactly. I just want to put that on record.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my, my, by, by the way, Steve, my, my name is Tenzing. My name is Karma Tenzing. So Tenzing was given to me by his daughter, Pempem. So she was the one who raised me in Daajling uh, when, when I went to school there. So for nearly about 10 years of my life, she, she raised me. And her husband was the first principal of Kathmandu Valley School, the school I own now, so we've had you know a very strong connection uh, over the years and you know um, it's 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 such a wonderful family and I'm blessed that you know uh, that they blessed me with a name as well
0: I, I just i want to go back i don 't feel uh, resolved yet on this issue of karma yes, and I want to understand how a business person like yourself gets some gets through something that deeply ingrained. How do you how do you turn people around? Because you need them, obviously. You need them to wake up and own their country and their situation.
1: So for me, right now, I, on the, the only thing I'm doing right now is working with children and working with the young younger generation. Working through my businesses, where there's about 250 250 employees, and we have close to 400 students in the school. There's 40 kids in the orphans. Are, uh, there's forty orphans in the orphanage and there there are about uh, seventeen street children in Tamil so all these people that i'm working with uh, they they know exactly the concept that you know that, that i'm trying to preach that you know you do you do good and you try to be accountable for everything that's happening in your life so that's something that i've been preaching them uh you know through my various ventures so uh, I, but 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 the people beyond that uh i you know i don't, I don't think ha- i don't think there's there's any there's any medium for me to, you know, reach out to them and tell them this is what's wrong with uh, you know, the way of thinking here uh, because a lot of people are still stuck in that, you know, in that in that karma mindset. So that's something that, you know, it's, I, don't, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to reach out to them right now. I think it's going to take a few more years of me continuously doing my social projects because I've just been doing it for the last three and a half years now. So, you know, uh, uh, these, uh, the orphanage, the school, and old age homes and the street kids. It's, it's just been recent. So I feel like it's going to take a little more time before I can finally get my message out to people through the good work I've done.
0: Right. And I'm, I'm sure that's probably the most uh, logical approach, which is proceed slowly and change what you can change,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. So the people who I'm directly associated with, you know, it's easy to change them and easy to get them to understand. But now I think, you know, through them, you know, it'll, it'll slowly change. Yeah, it's a step by step process. You know, through them it goes beyond. It's a ripple effect in the end.
0: Yep. So, karma, I am sure you've had some breakthroughs, and I imagine the documentary was one of those. I love the title. Yes. Can you tell us how that came about? And thank you. And uh, and promote it promote it a bit too, because I think it will help people.
1: Sure. Yes. So, good karma and immigrant story. Um, that's the name of the documentary. Uh, it was made by the Flint brothers, uh, Kevin and Brian Flint. Flint, and also associate producer was Joe Garner. Uh, in 2008, after the housing crisis, uh, you know, I was I was working in Chicago, and I used to drive back from Chicago to New York. Uh, you know, every every now and then, I used to drive back uh, to visit my friends and family in New York. And I used to post on Craigslist about on ride share, like if anyone wanted to try, go back with me, you know, I'd I'd be willing to take them along and all that stuff. So one day. You know, I, out of the blue, I get I get a call, and somebody wants to you know wants to ride and wants to go back to New York with me. So I I say okay, and then the guy you know sends me his details, and then he comes to my apartment building. And when I come down from the apartment building, I see a guy with a camera and everything, and they and they were shooting for the documentary called Craigslist Joe. So this was a documentary about Joe Garner. Uh, he's the same guy who is an executive producer for. For for uh, the Joker, and also he's also one of the producers for Hangover Two, Hangover Three, War Dogs. So all these Hollywood movies. That... Yes, he's been he did all that, and you know here is his story, Craigslist Joe. And then we drove from Chicago to New York together. So I drove so like basically it's about him living without money, and you know going from San Francisco to New York and back to San Francisco for a month, living with no money, just off Craigslist. And, I, you know, I helped him from, from Chicago to New York, and then we became friends and Facebook friends and everything. That. So they were following my life and trying to see all the stuff I'm doing, you know, in my daily life. And in 2012, I did a whole rally for Nepal uh, in New York City, you know, fighting for our migrant workers' rights. And, in, and, and after that, the earthquake 2015, you know, doing a lot of work again for Nepal. And, you know, then when I moved back to Nepal and I started doing, you know, more of my social projects, like the school and the, you know, um, the, the restaurant and all these orphanages and everything, street kids, I was doing a lot of that. And they, they got in touch with me and they said that they'd like to do a documentary on my life. So, so, so Brian and Kevin Flint, they came over, you know, from, from California, Hollywood, California, from Hollywood, California. They came, they came down to Nepal and they stayed with me for a month. You know, followed everything that I was doing in terms of earthquake, like how I was helping earthquake victims, and my 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 projects with you know uh, with the school, with with the with the uh, in, with the microfinance uh, I was doing, as well as you know with street uh, street children and street dogs and everything. They were they were following me everything and following me the whole time, trying to see everything that I was doing. And that's how the concept for the movie concept for Good Karma came about. And while we're doing it it took a detour into the concept of karma. So, you know, while we were doing the movie, we just, we, we, we started talking, we, one day we started talking about, you know, the, the earthquake and all the aid that still hadn't been dispersed and everything. And Brian and Kevin, they, they asked me why. And I, my whole, uh, my whole answer was basically about, you know, the concept of karma, like why people weren't being aggressive or angry or holding anyone else accountable for this money not going to the public. So they, they liked it and they said, hey, we should add this in the movie itself. And that's what we did. So we added it all in the movie. And to, uh, you know, in the end, uh, may, may they, made a, they made a great documentary with a great story. And in 2018, we were in 13 film festivals in the US and Canada, and we won best in seven. So including Hollywood now and everything, we won best in it.
0: Good for you guys. That's Thank awesome. You thank you. and that helps spread your mission
1: yes Our and business. that that document definitely it, it did help a lot because you know we we got a lot of traction from that and now uh, you know they're trying to sell the documentary uh for to find they're trying to find distributors uh they're also making another documentary called uh, called finding flint so it's going to be a package together and they're going to sell it to you know the highest bidder so it's either Netflix or one of these guys so we're looking oh, to
0: that's great.
1: yes so
0: one final question, what advice would you give a younger karma?
1: I would say, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't stress it out too much because, you know, when I was there in the U.S., imagine, you know, you're just an 18-year-old kid, just finished high school, never been that far in your life from home. You know, all that, I'd, be to, I'd been to India, that's it. You know, I was, went to boarding school in India, but nowhere beyond that, you know, um, uh, to live so for me to go to us you know on my own with no no family nothing like that and you know uh you know ra- try to raise myself and and learn values on life there learn how to cook learn how to live learn how to do dishes so everything i learned in the us i became a man in the us and and it was always very hard because you're always trying to you know be the best you can and you uh, know studying in finance the dream was to make it big in in wall street and so you know you worked so hard you did everything's so hard and everything, and every time you thought about it at home, you just thought it, it wasn't enough. So right now, looking back, I just feel, I just feel like it was enough, actually. It wasn't, it was just that I was pushing myself too hard and, you know, everything comes with time. And right now what I'm doing, I think it came with time. It came with me knowing what I'm best in and, you know, uh, moving back to my country to help, uh, you know, my people here via applying the skills that I learned uh, in New York and, uh, and, and living in America.
0: Well, karma, thank you. This, this has been a, one of the more interesting podcasts I've ever done, given what you're up to and the odds against you and how you're still overcoming it. Yes, right. And you're obviously growing along with all the adventures that you're, all the business ventures that you're managing. Yes. So best of luck to you. And, um, Thank, thank you, Steve. Though I don't think you'll need it because I, I think you'll agree it doesn't come down to luck. It comes down to a determination. And the new, one of the That's greatest right. things I heard you say today was diversification. So I love that. Thank <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> thank you, Steve. You take care of yourself.
0: I'm going to give you five ways to keep up with Karma Tenzing. To learn more about his school, go to Facebook and search for Katmandu Valley School. For Karma's Himalayan Trekking Company, Go to the website intothehimalaya.com. Karma's restaurant is Momo Karma in Kathmandu. The best pics of it are on OpenTable.com. For more on KTM Entertainment, find the Facebook page by searching KTM Entertainment. Karma's Instagram handle is Karma Tenzing, K-A-R-M-A numeral ten Z-I-N-G. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at TroubleGroup.com. If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email Steve at TroubleGroup.com.